Welcome, Revelation Nation. It's 2024, the year of the wind. Please enjoy this deep teaching and prepare your heart to receive your blessing. Rate and share this podcast so more can hear the good news. Romans 8, 26 and 27. Likewise, Likewise the, the Spirit, Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But, but the Spirit, Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Can we read 27 again? 27, let's go. One, two, three. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit. Because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Would you just lift your right hand? And I want us to just take 30 seconds. And I want you to pray, Father, bring me to another dimension. Bring me to another dimension in my spirit. Bring me to another dimension in my spirit. Bring me to another dimension in my spirit. Father, lift me to another dimension. Raise me to another dimension tonight. Father, raise us to another dimension tonight, O God. Lift us to another dimension. Take us to a completely different place in you, O God. Lift us to a new dimension. Take us from where we are. Lift us to another dimension. Come on. Lift us to a new dimension. Lift us to a new perspective. Lift us to a completely new realm. In Jesus' name. Father, in Jesus' name. You may be seated in where? Heavenly places. Come on. And that's not just something we say. Amen. I believe, as the prophet even has to say that every time, it is to bring a certain reality Amen. to us. Amen. You are in a certain place. But when you don't know where you are, you will be caught up in what you see and what is around you. But you are seated in heavenly places. Amen. Tonight we're talking about the voice of the Spirit. Amen. The voice of the Spirit. And before we go even further, in this scripture in Romans 8, verse 27, it says, He that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. He that searches the mind of the Spirit knows what is the mind of the Spirit. So already it reveals to you, he that searches the hearts is not talking about the Spirit of God. He's not talking about the Spirit of God. He that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit of God. Uh Because he is making intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So before we even go deeper into this, we have to understand, okay, what is the function of the Spirit? We all know we are body, soul, and spirit. We are tripart beings, right? Who doesn't know we are tripart beings? Amen. Okay. (laughs) We are tripart beings. You have a body, and a lot of times it's very easy for us to identify each other by our body. What do you look like? Very easily I'll say, oh, Mama Brown has gray hair. You know, the tone of her skin. We even identify ourselves by this. 
But this is not who we are. Amen. Amen. This is not who we are. So even if somebody asks you, what does evangelist Benny look like? You say, oh, she's, this is the height she has. This is what she looks like. What we see. But we are three-part beings. And the funny thing is this thing that is so visible is only the shell. This is only the shell. So this is not even what matters. So when you think of, oh, I want to eat an omelet today, you don't pay attention to the shell. Come on. What happens to the shell? The shell is broken. That's good. And discarded. That's good. Right? Nobody, what are you going to do with the shell? After you've removed the content. And so because we have not learned to live from that place of the spirit... When things happen to this body, we feel like it has happened to us. Come on. But then the Bible says that even in his infirmity, the spirit of a man will uphold him. So already the scripture is trying to tell us, listen, there's another place that actually gives you this force of life that you're talking about. It's not in this external body. Because even when your body, he's literally telling you, even when your body is sick, it has separated the two. Even when your shell is sick, if your spirit is strong, it can impose itself on the condition of the shell. It can impose itself. So then when a person doesn't understand where they live from, No wonder then when their body is broken and things happen, then they have nothing because they don't know how to pull from where they actually are. We are seated in heavenly places. We are seated in heavenly places. So God, from the beginning of creation, let us make man in our image. Our spirit is so, it's not only necessary because yes, it's necessary. We live Through the spirit, without it, we are dead. And at death, the distinction of the body and the soul and spirit becomes so evident because you'll see a body that's there. It's the body. But what is missing? You realize the person is not the body. That's when you really understand this is just a shell. The person is actually not here. So if we now can learn to live from that place, because the Bible says what? We are crucified with Christ. So technically, you're supposed to be dead anyway. Come on. Come on. You're supposed to be dead anyway. We are crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we live. So wait, if I'm crucified, but I live. He's then telling me, but the life that I now live in the flesh. There's a life I'm living in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Before we go further, let's backtrack. Uh, Romans 8, I believe it's verse 16. If you can just put up, yes, verse 16. It says, the spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. 
This is before he goes on to tell us that he that searches the heart, searches the mind, or searches the spirit, what is the mind of the spirit of God, because he intercedes according to the will of God. He's telling us something. He's saying the spirit itself, uppercase S, right, bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So the interaction of your spirit with God, a lot of times when we're saying, even in worship as we were praying, okay, let's pray. A lot of times we, are, we overlook the interaction of our spirit. So when we say, hey, let's pray, or lift up your hands and lift up your voice, you're very much in the physical reality of that. So you say, I am praying now because my voice is lifted, my hands are lifted. You're not paying attention to what your spirit is doing. So in the place of prayer, in the place of worship, you are very much in a moody place. Whether it was the song that felt good or I came to this place and the atmosphere is filled with people who also just love the Lord. So I kind of just flow along with that emotion that is being released in the atmosphere. So it's time to pray. Oh, we are all praying. So let's pray. Prophet said, pray this. Or evangelist is saying, pray this. So we just pray. You're not paying attention. It's like you overlook your spirit. You overlook your spirit. You're not in tune with what the spirit is doing. Tonight we're talking about the voice of the spirit. And it's very important because the Bible talks about a unity and oneness, a singleness of I that we're supposed to have. And I always like to think of it as a pipe. Because if I am tapping into a source, this is three layers of connection. If I tap in at the source and my spirit is always tapped in, that's the thing. Amen. The spirit is bearing witness with your spirit right now. Yeah. Your spirit is always tapped in. Yeah. But the second connection or the first connection from the spirit to the soul, what is the soul aware mm. of what has been tapped into by the spirit? Do I recognize what's going on in my spirit? Because it's very easy, again, because of this physical reality, the soul simply turns either which way, right? Either in the physical or the spiritual. It's very easy for the soul to see the natural. And he will do whatever you place before him. And that's what we have to learn to be people of the spirit that will turn your soul to say, pay attention to the spirit. Less attention to the physical. Pay attention to the spirit. Amen. Amen. Stop paying attention to the physical. Amen. Because all that the physical can affect is your emotion, your mood, your mind. All these sit in the soul, right? The seat of your mind, the seat of your will, the seat of your emotions. That's your soul. So if I'm paying attention to the physical, my soul is getting affected by things that now I can tap into the other reality of what God is actually trying to tell me this is actual truth, but I'm disconnected from it. I'm disconnected from it. And God has made it so that you cannot skip the step of the spirit when it comes to interacting with him. You can't. Amen. He did that. He did that. He interacts with us on the spirit level. He will not come and talk to you at the soul level. He will not come and talk to you at the physical level. Is it because he can't do things in our world? Absolutely. Every day we see the hand of God in circumstances. Every day we see God doing things. 
But in his communication with us, it is in the place of the Spirit. It is in the place of the Spirit. So now this scripture is telling us, he that searches the hearts knows. He didn't say he's searching. He didn't say he's searching the mind of the Spirit of God. He said he knows. Let that sink in. He knows. Your spirit knows the mind of God. Just sit on that for a second. Because a lot of times we come to God in the places that we feel like we don't know. But he's just revealing something to us here. He says, he that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit of God. And he is making intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Y'all. He knows. So if you had an ability to connect and understand and come and sync in alignment with your spirit, right now, your spirit knows every question that you even have. Come on. That's right. That's right. Come on, church. Your spirit knows. He actually knows it. Come on. And not only does he know it and hold the knowledge, he's saying he's interceding. For you, according to the will of God. So it's like if the spirit was in communication with the spirit of God, the spirit of God is downloading to your spirit everything that is the heart of God for you. So the spirit is interceding for you according to the things that the spirit of God has given him about you. Teaching. He is interceding for you. And what is an intercessor standing in the gap? Ooh. So your spirit is standing in the gap for you. Because really your spirit is you. But now you see how we're deceived when we don't pay attention to who we really are. Now you're following what's happening and your mood based on the physical. So your soul then is directing you in a way and your spirit is just interceding. Saying, but I'm trying to guide her. I'm trying to guide him. I'm trying to put impressions because that's the major or the primary vocabulary of the spirit to us is what? Impressions. So he's trying to give you messages, give you impressions to nudge you, to say, listen, this is the will of God for you. This is the way that you're supposed to be moving. So you find yourself in places, you're like, oh, wait a minute. Suddenly I feel uncomfortable in this house. It doesn't fit me anymore. You don't know that your spirit is interceding, telling you, listen, God has already shown me you have a bigger house. God has already shown me you have a greater business. God has already shown me that you have something more. He's trying to nudge you and you're just sitting and saying, why am I just uncomfortable in this place? Why is this not working anymore? In the places of transition, you start, it's like it feels uncomfortable. But now you are analyzing it in the natural. You say, oh, but my degree makes sense in this job. This is a good paying job based on my qualifications. This is good. It doesn't make sense that it doesn't feel good anymore. You don't know your spirit is trying to tell you something. Teaching. Your spirit is trying to tell you something. He's trying to shift you in a way. But because we have become so attached. We have become so attached to what we know. 
what is familiar, what makes sense to us. So the moment it's not logical, mm, no. Comfort, safety, that's what humans run to. We run to comfort and safety. You will not willingly put yourself in a, even temperature, let's talk of temperature. You're in your house, it gets too hot, please turn on the AC. I don't want to be uncomfortable. It's too cold, turn on the heat. We do not like to be uncomfortable. Come on, come on. That's right. But the Spirit is trying to tell you something. Listen, your comfort cannot be the measure of your life. The Spirit is trying to tell you something. Amen. What makes sense to you cannot be what gives you direction. The Spirit is trying to tell you something. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And that's why we sit in moments like this and we know how to make all these confessions, but when you sit within yourself, you realize you're not even paying attention to your spirit. Our faith is a head faith. Our faith is a logic faith. We say God can do the impossible. We say God has done mighty things, but we still only want to exercise it in the things that are logical, in the things that make sense. We contradict ourselves. But he's challenging us. He's saying, listen, the spirit already bears witness with your own spirit. You're a child of God. Now then he's telling you in that same place that the spirit, so that, what, how do you bear witness? We're conversing, right? So the spirit is giving you, hey, you are a child of God, convicting you, letting you know this truth. This is who you really are. He is telling you this in the spirit, which means there is communion happening. Come on, come on, come on. There is communion happening. There is a conversation taking place. Yes, come on. Are you aware of the conversation taking place? Come on. Something Pablo said recently, I think it was, if not Sunday, Thursday, he said the measure of your spiritual maturity is really the measure of light that you're able to express. How much light do you carry? That shows your spiritual maturity. And the Bible says something, Ephesians 1.18, it says the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you will know something. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. So that you would know. So there is an enlightening that happens, an enlightenment, if I would call it, in the places where we come in the knowledge of the truth of God's word, the truth of his word for our lives, and the reality of living from that truth in the things that we are projecting forth into our lives. And so if the light... The light, the light, the light that we carry. That's what the Bible says. If your eye be single, then great is the light within you. But if your eye is not single, it says how great is the darkness. That's almost contradictory. If you don't think about it, it's like, wait, wait, what are you actually saying? Because he says, he says, if your eye be single, and that's that pipe connection. I use it because that's how the Holy Spirit taught me. If the pipe is out of sync, it's not that the source is not being tapped into. The water is coming forth, but it's not connecting. So there's nothing coming out on the other side. 
So you won't say that the source is faulty. It's the connection that is broken. The connection is broken. So that what is being tapped into at the source is not able to be captured and be brought forth. It is not being brought forth. If your eye be single, so that what God is showing me in the spirit, my soul stands in alignment with it, and my body follows suit. I am single, and great is that light. Because then when I say light be, or when I say this situation turn around, I'm not just saying it out of wishful thinking that it would be nice that this situation turn around. No, I'm saying this situation turn around because based on what I have seen from the spirit, this situation turn around, I'm not just talking. I am pulling from this truth, this situation turn around so that all the power of God is made available to me to come forth. This situation turn around. Yes. Amen. Amen. Hmm. The voice of the spirit, the voice of the spirit. So then now this brings us to a place where we have to be men and women who know how to observe our spirit. You have to know how to observe your spirit. And that's not mood swings. That's not your sentimentalism. Observe your spirit. Observe your spirit. The Lord Jesus, we have an example of it. The Bible says he was moved by compassion. It wasn't the feeling of natural compassion. He literally, it was a spiritual thing that he discerned. That if you see compassion, compassion wouldn't tell you everything that Jesus picked up in that compassion. It literally says he was moved with compassion and he, he felt sorry for the people because they were as sheep scattered without a shepherd. Since when did compassion tell you that? When did compassion say that? No. But he discerned. He observed his spirit and understood something that the Lord was showing him about the people that were before him. Paul says in Romans, I think it's 1 9, he says, I thank the Lord whom I serve with my spirit. I serve him with my spirit. I don't just serve him out of the love of, oh, I want to serve. And that's where a lot of us make a mistake. Serving God can be great, but serving God is also one of the hardest things you will ever do. And if you're not doing it from the spirit, (laughs) don't do it. (laughs) I don't even know what else to tell you. If you're not doing it by the spirit, just don't do it. Because how are you going to serve him? He even says, anybody that worships me, worship me in spirit and in truth. That's the beginning point. So it's like I can't even interact with him except I am in the spirit. So then now, every other thing that I do, a lot of people in this, let's just put a caveat. Don't do anything for God that he did not ask you to do. Don't do anything for God he did not ask you to do. If he didn't tell you to do it, just leave it alone. He didn't ask you to do it, just leave it alone. Because a lot of us are serving God from that place. I want to do for God. 
I want to do for God. I want to do for God. No. Do what he asks you to do for him. Do what he asks you to do for him. But a lot of us get caught up in that because we're not observing our spirit. Because your spirit knows what you're supposed to be doing. But you get caught up in this is great. Oh, I see so and so doing this. I see this person doing that. I want to do that too. Let me also do this. Let me also. And God, no, your spirit itself is not in alignment with you. And so a lot of us, we, we see the scripture. It says, don't grieve the spirit of God. Or don't frustrate the grace of God. This is where it happens. Your good intention becomes enmity with God. Your good intention becomes frustration of the grace of God. Observe your spirit. Because in the same way, when you can observe your spirit, it is the same place that will give you staying power. When you're going through things and when you're facing circumstances that is like in the natural, this looks like I should leave it right here. In the natural, this looks like nothing is going to happen. But your spirit has a witness. Your spirit has a witness. And so you can stay in that place and say, no, God has shown me something. It, it doesn't end here. God has shown me that there's something else on the other side of this. God has shown me that it doesn't end here. And you can stay. Because you have a witness in your spirit. Observe your spirit. Observe your spirit. Observe your spirit. What is God speaking to me now? What is God telling me? What is the Holy Spirit impressing to me? How is the Holy Spirit nudging me? And this is prophetic Thursday service, right? And God calls us all to be prophetic. And that's something I think in the body of Christ, unfortunately, right now in these times, it's like we have almost dimmed down the, the desire of God for all of us to be prophetic people in the name of you have to be a prophet to be prophetic. And so then we're stepping into places that are not ours. Because I cannot not be a prophet to be prophetic. So then now I will say I'm a prophet and then you go and mess up people's lives in the name of I'm a prophet. We are to be prophetic. Absolutely. He says as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Paul said, desire above all things that you prophesy. So it is something that we are all to have. Be prophetic. Be a man and woman of the spirit. He didn't say, desire that you all be prophets. That's good. That's good. So that we know how to honor. We can honor those that God has gifted to us as prophets. Or as pastors, teachers, evangelists, apostles. It's not the same. It's not the same. But you have to be prophetic enough to be able to observe the spirit within you. To know where God is leading you. So that on the flip side is not, a, oh, I don't know how to make this move. I have to go to the prophet. I have to go to the prophet. And God is like, wait, hold on, wait a minute. I gave you the prophet to instruct you. 
I gave you the prophet to equip you. I gave you the prophet to build you up, to show you how to recognize how I will impress and talk to you. How is that now become a crutch for you that you are using that as an excuse not to be accountable to the purpose of God in your life? Teaching. Because if God comes and asks the prophet, the prophet will say, God, I, I told them what you told me to say. I gave them what you told me to give. So then God will come to you. What did you do with what I told my servant to give to you? What did you do with what I told my servant to teach to you? What did you do with it? It's not just your ear in one ear. It goes out the other and you come back again. It's, uh-uh. What are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? And the, I'm pressing this because the first primary place that you will learn to observe your spirit is in the place of prayer. Because that is the place, the beginning place, if I'll call it that, of your communion or building that communion and fellowship with the spirit of God. My prophet says it every time. He says it every time. He says it every time. Are you taking that seriously in your own life? Say, Father, let me make time with you. And this is why I'm challenging us. Because a lot of us will say, oh, but I'm serving God. I'm serving God. How are you serving a God you don't talk to? How? How are you serving a God you don't speak to? How? No, for real. You know, sometimes I like to say spiritual things are not, it's not flying all in the mist. No, 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 no. God is a practical God. God is a very practical God. I am serving God. Because God forbid. That scripture scares me, y'all. People will come on the last day and say, God, we did this, we did that, and say, I don't know you. But then if you ask men, they'll say, oh, this one was at church every day. This one used to do this every day. This one used to be like people would even talk for you and God says, I don't know you. That's scary. That is scary. It's better I sit down. I don't move and God tells me, okay, God, let's go. I don't want to be in places and then all these people see me and say, oh yeah, you did this, you did that, you were here, you were there. And I come to God, God looks at me, what were you doing? Wait, what? You were doing that? Huh? (laughs) Lord of mercy. No. It's scary. Observe your spirit. Observe your spirit. The place of prayer. So as you're in the place of prayer, He already told you the spirit himself is is bearing witness with your spirit. You're a child of God. So the spirit bears witness with your spirit. You're an overcomer. You're more than a conqueror. You're the head and not the tail. He's bearing witness. So now as you're coming in the place of prayer, you learn to observe. And one of the first ways that you're able to observe is to be able to understand what drops in my spirit when I came to God in the place of prayer. What impression was I given when I came in the place of prayer? 
And this is the thing about prayer overall, and we are Revelation Nation, so I pray we always operate at a higher place of understanding. That we never separate prayer from meditation. And that's why a lot of times when you're singing everything that's happening in, what do we call it, pop culture or the society today, that distinction that, have been, that has been made to meditation, it never should have been that. Because for us as people of God, our prayer should have never been separated from meditation. It should have never been separated from meditation. Because at the very core, prayer in the simplest form is communication with God. That's the most basic thing. I'm going to pray. I'm going to, it's like you didn't even have to say prayers. Just say, I'm going to talk to God. I'm going to speak with God. I'm going to meet with the Lord, right? So how do you communicate with somebody who doesn't communicate back? Communication is not complete until it is two-way. Right? So which means if I'm praying, my prayer is not complete until he has spoken back. Come on. Come on. That's why when you say you pray, your meditation can be separated. It can't. Because if I'm praying to hear God, then by the time I've said my piece, he has a piece to say. I might come back and ask about what he said, then he responds back. with, Like it's a conversation. It's a conversation. Don't say, oh, I'm going to pray. Your prayer is not complete. If God has not spoken back to you. And that's why observing your spirit becomes important. Because the ways that God will speak to you, one of the primary ways will be impression. It won't be that you heard the thundering voice of God and the voice of many rushing waters. No. It will be the impression <laughs> that he drops in your spirit. Because you prayed and he also communicated something with you. But when you don't have that sensitivity to even observe your own spirit, what is happening, your prayer becomes routine. Oh, I wake up in the morning, Father, I thank you that you kept me at night. And okay, I'm about, to, that was not a prayer. That was just Thanksgiving. You just wanted to say, hey, Jesus, I'm up. Yeah. That was not prayer. Yeah. <laughs> that was not prayer. No, but is it making sense so you understand? That was not prayer. This is what I always tell people. You tell me you have five minutes to pray. You speak for two minutes and a half. Be silent for the two minutes and a half. Because right. right. you got to allow God to speak back to you. You have to allow God to speak back to you. You cannot separate your prayer from meditation. So please, as us, as we're believers, when we say prayer, we don't have to explain it. Understand that when I say prayer, I'm in communication, which means it includes meditation because it means that God has to speak back to me as much as I speak back to him. So in observing your spirit, the primary place will be the place of prayer where you observe what, what dropped in my spirit. As I wanted to pray about this, okay, what, what did the Spirit impress to me? And that's why it becomes very important to learn to discipline yourself. I want to read this real quick. Proverbs, Proverbs 16, 32. Proverbs 16, verse 32. 
It says, he that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He that ruleth his spirit better than he that taketh a city. And it's interesting that these two are put together because anger comes how? Emotion. Something comes or whatever, arouse you up to the point of anger, it's an emotional response. Anger is an emotional response based on whatever information, whatever experience, whatever encounter, something that came and made you angry. So he's saying he that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. So that already is the level of self-control that he's telling you. That he that is slow to anger, not quick to get angry, I have self-control of my emotion that I will not allow myself to go there quickly. I can analyze, I can assess. So he's already telling you a measure that even in the natural, even in the natural, you are to have control of your emotion. But then he goes deeper. He says, he that rules his spirit, then he that takes a city. Now ruling your spirit is not, is not, um, dominating or controlling no that's not what it means right in the same way in genesis 3 when adam and eve encounter god after they've eaten of the fruit what did god tell eve he said your desire will be to control your husband to be over him but he shall rule over you it means oversee you not he's supposed to be uh, dominant on you or or, or or exercise what's the word i'll use um not control but like almost dictatorship no, it's not force, but it's an overseeing that all accountability about you will come through your husband. He will oversee you. He will rule over you. So now he is saying he that rules his spirit, then he that takes a city. So the same thing, he that can oversee his spirit can give account of his spirit. That, okay, what's happening in my spirit? You're able to assess and say, this and this is going on. Yeah. You're able to say, okay, this is what God is showing me. This is what God is impressing to me. This is what God is leading me to. You can oversee your spirit. He says, he that can oversee his spirit is better than he that taketh a city. Yeah. Observe your spirit. Observe your spirit. I'm in the place of prayer. Okay, Father, what is going on? You observe. And that's why that quietness becomes important. And you realize by default, I can't be talking and observing. So I learned to be quiet. I learned to be quiet so I can observe. In Habakkuk 2, what did he say? He said, I will stand to see what you are saying. I'm just in posture to see what you are saying. I'm observing my spirit. What is he saying? What is the impression that is coming? Learn to observe your spirit. So then another thing that can help us, that's point number one, right? In the place of prayer. Then, because you have cultivated this, you learn then to observe the intensity of your spirit. As you are praying, and this is why it's helpful to pray in the spirit, 
but also pray in tongues. Praying in tongues is a form of praying in the spirit. Praying in spirit does not always mean in tongues. Just parentheses, okay? We're not talking about that tonight, but just so you know, that's what the Bible distinguishes. It says pray in the spirit. It didn't say pray in tongues. So praying in tongues is a form of praying in the spirit. But so as you are praying in tongues, you can observe the intensity. And Papa Lou talks about this all the time. You can be praying, just praying in tongues, just praying in tongues, just praying in tongues. All of a sudden, Where did that come from? You're observing the intensity. You're observing the intensity. Something has shifted. Something has shifted. Okay, have I now entered into a warfare place? Is there something that was confronting me? That my spirit is responding to that? What has my spirit seen? I am observing my spirit. What does my spirit know? So then you can even flip as you, as you learn to observe that. So now you pray with the understanding and with the spirit. Teaching. You pray with the understanding and with the spirit. And this is why that oneness becomes so important. Because as I was meditating on this, I was like, you know what? A lot of us then are walking in discord within ourselves. We are in discord within ourselves. Like you're out of agreement within you. When the Bible says two cannot walk together except they be in agreement. And your thinking is just talking about your friend. No, no, no. Your soul itself is not agreeing with your spirit. You're out of sync. Your spirit is wanting to do one thing, but because you're so too attached to whatever you see, your soul is trying to go a different way. You yourself are not in agreement. And what did James say? James 1, 6. Can we go James 1, 6? I think it's 6 to 8. James chapter 1, verse 6 to 8. He says, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that the Lord that he shall receive anything of the Lord. This is what he says in 8. He says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. He that searches the heart knows what is the mind of the spirit. He is making intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now then your soul comes with another mind based on what you see and it's in conflict. So God is saying, it's not that I don't want to answer your prayer. I have. I have. But you're out of alignment that you cannot read. You can't receive. You cannot receive because you're not in sync. The Spirit is making intercession according to the will of God. You say, Father, bless my business. The Spirit is there. Oh, you don't even know the measure of blessing God wants to give your business. You only see it, but you have no idea. Father, bless my children. Father, give me another house. Father God, even change my car. Whatever it is, you don't know. The Spirit is there because He has seen the goodness of God for your life. But now you are attached to the things you know. So when it comes to the point where God is even saying, listen, let me take this from you because I want to give you something else. You are resisting. You don't understand what the spirit is trying to tell you. He said, I want your hands to be free. 
give this to me. You are fighting and saying, no, 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 no. This is precious to me. God is saying, but your spirit knows. Your spirit has seen what I want to give to you. But you're out of sync. So then now you can't receive. It's telling you a double-minded man is unstable. So it's there for you. It's ready for you. It's waiting for you. But you have not come into a place of being able to receive it. Observe your spirit. Observe your spirit. So that even when it's discomfort, you will enter the discomfort. This is why James says, rejoice when you're, when you're going through various trials and temptations. Why do you, how can you have joy? See, this is the thing I said, be practical, y'all. Why would I have joy in affliction? Why would I have joy in pain? Why would I have joy through something that just doesn't feel good? It means there's something that I know that is about to be produced in this. So I can be joyful, not because it feels good, but I can be joyful because I know where it is taking me. Amen. Hallelujah. Observe your spirit. Observe your spirit. Observe your spirit. I remember when I was coming to LA, it's so weird, and Papa Lo always makes fun of this because that was one of the experiences that I repented. I said, Lord, may I never be so out of sync again. Because I was all the ways out of sync. Okay? Your son, you need to come to LA. Why? My whole life is in Houston. What am I coming to do in Los Angeles? But when I started to feel the pull, I couldn't even explain it. People around me, if they could, they'll tell you. I was literally like, I have to go to LA. I don't know why. And I literally tell I don't even know why. But it's like, I need to be in LA. I don't know why. I just have to go. Like, I have to go. I didn't know. I said, I just have to go. Got in my car. And I drove. And it was, the lo- I don't even know how I did that drive. Because if you asked me to do that drive now, I'll be like, oh no, we're not <laughs> doing that. But it was the push, and then I, it was so uncomfortable that it's like even my soul, my body, I couldn't be comfortable sitting. It's like everything in me was like, you need to be, like, you need to go to LA. And even then, I hadn't grasped what the move was for, but it's like I just knew I needed to be here, and when I was here, God would show me what it was for. I just had to move. Observe your spirit. Observe your spirit. Because a lot of us, we are in places of frustration. Not because that thing isn't good, but it's not for you anymore. It's not for you anymore. It's not for you anymore. And you are failing to observe. You're just holding on to the familiarity. You're holding on to the comfort. You're holding on to this is what I've known. I've been doing this for 15 years, 20 years. I was in Houston for 16, 17 years. And it got comfortable. When God started telling me, girl, you got to go. I was just like, wait, where where are we going? (laughs) But you observe your spirit. Observe your spirit. That's like, no, my spirit is not at peace here. I've been been working this job all these years and it always, but suddenly it just doesn't feel good anymore. It's not fun anymore. I'm not enjoying it. Nothing changed. Maybe it even got better. Maybe you even got promoted. But it doesn't feel good anymore. Observe your spirit. God is telling you something. 
God is telling you something. So then even in those places as you're praying, you're praying in tongues, it comes. Oh, okay, wait, the intensity is shifted. Because I observe, I know, it's like, oh, okay. As I pray, he then begins to reveal to me. I don't have to wait, okay, God, what exactly are we battling on right now? I feel my spirit like, wait, what, what am I angry about? No, no, no. <laughs> but you can fall in line with that. Lord, anything that is resisting my purpose, anything that is resisting your purpose for my life, you come in understanding, you come in tongues. You come in understanding, you come in tongues because you are understanding there's something that has shifted as I am praying. Sometimes you're praying, you can even be in tongues and you're so emotional and it's just like, oh my God, and you're crying. It may not be pain. It may not even be joy. Sometimes it's just the goodness of God, but can you tell the difference? Can you tell the difference? Can you discern what is going on in your spirit? Can you discern what is going on in your spirit? You observe. You observe. Because if my lifeline, and this is where the Lord Jesus, he is, not, yes, he is the great example for us, but really walking in those footsteps where he was able to look at the devil and say, no, man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Where you resolve within yourself. I can, can I take a step? I can. I have the ability. I can walk. I'm not limited, but I will not without the word of the Lord. Amen. To live in that place of total dependency. Total dependency. And if the ultimate desire of God for, our, for us all is to be conformed to the image of his dear son, you realize death of self really is the goal, like to die every day. Yeah. To die every day until you really come to the place of oneness with the spirit of God. Oneness. Because a lot of us, if we're honest, it's like, God, I love you. I love the Lord. But there's still things that tug at me. There are still things that pull on me. There are still things that sometimes can influence me. And he's saying, no, but I want you to come to the place where you are so united, knit. The Bible uses the word knit. Where you are knit together with me. That no matter what is happening, you will literally just move with my spirit. And that's where Papa Lou said, I'll encourage you, go watch that message again. What he taught us on Sunday. Spiritual uh, materiality. Because in the place of that knit, being knit to the spirit of God, being connected with the spirit of God, the truth that your spirit knows becomes your reality. You have to do less work of convincing yourself. Because if we're honest, a lot of us, that's where you're struggling. Come on. You're trying to convince yourself of faith. Come on. If you're honest, you're trying to convince yourself of faith. But faith is a knowing. And if the knowing is coming from your spirit and what your spirit knows, then that means I come to a place where I hold on to that truth so much that I don't care. Anything else that is shown to me because that has become my truth. 
I don't need to be convinced. I don't need to be convinced. Thank you, Lord. Proverbs 25, 28. I'm out of time, but we're going to end with this. Proverbs 21, 28. Sorry, I just want to read it from my Bible. <laughs> he that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. He that cannot oversee his spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. No protection, no coverage, you're just open. And the thing about it is that the openness of this in your spirit, nothing can touch you. No demon can get to you. Nothing can go there. That is the abode of God. So why is he saying, he that has no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. If in the place of my spirit, I actually cannot be touched. That means he's telling you something else. If your soul is not ruled by your spirit, if your soul is not under the dominion of your spirit, you are indeed like a city that is broken down without walls. Because you are open to every other influence Every other thing that will try to come and have access to you can touch you. It can just come and touch you. It can just have access to you. There's no guard. Because your guard comes from the Spirit. Your guard comes from the Spirit. So let's stand on our feet. We're going to pray. Thank you, Lord. You learn to observe your spirit first in the place of prayer. In the place of prayer. Father, what are you, what are you dropping in my spirit? Father, what are you showing me here? What are you saying to me here? What is my spirit sensing? What is my spirit perceiving? How am I being nudged as you observe, as you observe, as you observe? So even in the things that you bring before the Lord in petition, you begin to pay attention. Okay. I was praying about this one thing. But as I began to pray about this, I sensed my spirit leading me in a different direction. What does that mean? What does that mean? I thought I was praying for this situation to be resolved in a certain way. But as I began to pray for that resolution, the Spirit is showing me something different. What does that mean? So we're going to pray tonight. And the very first prayer point I want you to pray 
is, Lord God, teach me how to rule over my spirit. Father, I don't want to live in the shallow places of the spirit anymore. The carnal is shallow. It's easy. Everybody does it. You don't even need to be a believer to do it. Observe the times. Look at what's going on around. Be moody. People are bad to you. You're bad to them. Somebody acts up, you act up too. It's easy. We all can do it. But God is calling us to live from the places of the Spirit. So you're going to pray, Father, help me. Help me. Help me, Lord. Give me the grace, Lord Jesus, to rule over my spirit. Come on, lift your voice and begin to pray. Father, give me the grace. Thanks for joining us. We trust that what you have received today will change your life forever. Please follow us on social media at Prophet Lovi and Revelation Church LA for updates, events, and teaching. If you are interested in connecting with this teaching, head over to ProfitLovi.com or RevelationChurchLA.org and click on Giving. Revelation Church is located in Simi Valley, California and has prophetic service every Thursday night at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to see you there. Until next time, Shalom.